Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 20. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If I'm going to die, I'd rather just die right here, just right while I'm middle, middle, mid-sentence, just mid-sentence. Boom. <laughs> Man, Pastor Rodney done died. <laughs> it, it maybe he's tired, maybe he's asleep, maybe somebody go check a pulse. You know what, I tell you what, just move me right aside, get somebody up to preach, don't worry about it. I'll just be laying right there, and please don't go, don't start tripping. Oh, Pastor Rodney, he did. Oh, what a good man. Oh, Pastor Rodney, oh, he was a good man. Because that's what y'all going to say, amen? That won't be a lie. Oh, Pastor Rodney, he won't Pastor Rodney. gone. He gone. He died. Pastor Rodney died. Let me tell you something. Pastor Rodney didn't die. Pastor Rodney moved. <laughs> say amen. I didn't die. Because I'm not going to die. I'm not going to die. But certainly I don't want to know. Jesus knew exactly how he was going to die. And yet he went to the cross anyhow. That shocks me. It blesses me that he would know. He full well knew the details. He full well knew that there was going to be a kangaroo court. To condemn him. He full well knew that they would humiliate and mock and scourge and crucify him. He full well knew that he would be abandoned and suffer unthinkable pain. And yet the Bible says that he set his face like a flint to go through the suffering to glory. The glory of being raised from the dead. And so that's why Hebrews and Chapter 12, verse 2, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand. There's the glory. There's the suffering of glory. Has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Saints, let me tell you something. Suffering glory are Siamese twins. And for anybody to tell you that, oh, Christians, we're... We're not supposed to suffer. Yeah, we're, we are going to suffer. And if somebody tells you that, that's not true. And it's just unreal. It's unreal. That's la-la land. The reality is Christians suffer just like anybody else. The only difference is we have Christ who upholds us. And we have Christ, like we sang in the song, on the solid rock we stand. That's the only difference. It's ludicrous to think, oh, we're not supposed to suffer as Christians. You're going to suffer. And you know why you're going to suffer? Because God's got to work. God's got a plan. God's got a purpose. And God's trying to make you better. Better? Yeah, better. He's trying to make you better. God loves you. Oh, God loves me the way I am. Yeah, he loves you too much to leave you that way, too. (laughs) 
Say amen, saints. <laughs> He does. He loves you too much to leave you that way. See, so he uses afflictions. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. And it says, for our light afflictions is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You see, the affliction is working. You know, someone once said a clay pot sitting in the sun will always be a clay pot. It has to go through the, heat, the white heat of the furnace to become porcelain. A clay pot's always going to be a clay pot, but it's got to be some fire and some testings. Yes, you will suffer, and suffering and glory always goes together. We suffer now, we reign with them later. That's what the Bible says. Well, then in verse 20, and we just read that, verse 20 through 28, Jesus and his disciples are walking along the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus is talking about his crucifixion, and he's talking about his death. And to the disciples, did you get this from the story? The disciples, they didn't get it. Jesus is talking about <laughs> Jesus is talking about his death. I'm going to die. I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be condemned. And it went in one, on one ear out the other. I don't know. Maybe they didn't have much between the, the ears. I, I told you all when I get to heaven, I'm get beat up. The disciples are going to beat me up. I know it because I talk about them all the time. But, but you would have thought they would have said, no, Jesus, no, 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 that can't happen. No, Jesus, say it ain't so. That just can't be right. No, Jesus, you can't tell us that we love you, Jesus. We want you to be with No, that didn't happen. Did you notice that in the story? That just did not happen. Did you notice the Bible's very clear that in verse 20, the mother of Zebedee's son, let's call her Mrs. Zebedee. Actually, we know her name to be Salome. Salome. She came with her two boys, James and John, the sons of thunder, asking for her sons. Did you notice to sit on the right, one to sit on the right and one to sit on the left? Now, many scholars get this, believe that she, Salome, is the sister of Mary, the mother of Jesus, which would make her the aunt of Jesus. And James and John would be Jesus cousins. So it's very possible that James and John said, Mom. Would you ask Aunt Mary to put in a good word with Cousin Jesus? So when he gets into heaven, you know, he might hook us up, you know. And then Aunt Salome, she would go to Jesus and say, hey, nephew Jesus, when you get into your kingdom, how about you give your cousins, James and John, some box seats? She might say. Grant, she says, that one sit on the right and the other on the left. And notice Jesus didn't say, no way, Jose. He didn't say that's not going to happen. Did you notice what he said? Are you able to drink of the cup that I'm, I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm about to be baptized with? Now, what is he talking about? Remember, Jesus said in the garden in his prayer, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. You remember that? Well, the cup represents suffering. Jesus is talking about the crucifixion. And then notice in verse 22, I like to call this flesh at its finest hour. Are you able to drink of the cup and be baptized with the baptism? Are you able to suffer? Are you willing to suffer? Jesus says to them, and they say, oh, oh yeah, we are able. That's the flesh. You see, they had no idea what they were asking and what they were saying, but Jesus did. And Jesus said, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. And they did. 
They did indeed drink of the cup of suffering because James was the first apostle to be martyred by the sword and lose his life for Christ. And John was the last to drink of the cup as he was exiled on the island of Patmos. You know that he lived in isolation, loneliness. He died a natural death, natural causes. But John suffered many persecutions. You see, someone once said, you can't pray for a throne You have to pay for a throne. That's very true. And then notice again in your Bibles, in verse 24, when the ten heard it, what, when the ten heard that John and James were, what they were asking for, did you notice they were upset? They were displeased. Why? Because they wanted to sit next to the Lord and James and John got to Jesus first. Oh, you know how it goes. Me, I was asking before you did. And they were upset. You see, and Jesus is simply saying to his disciples, listen, God's kingdom, he's making the point here in our text that God's kingdom is different from the world. You see, the world system of greatness is how many are serving you. God's system of greatness is how many are you serving? The world system is who can you rule over? And the kingdom of God is who can you serve under? You see, that's what Jesus is showing them. The kingdom system of service. Don't you find it interesting that he's headed to the cross? He's about to die. He's about to suffer unspeakable. Did you see the movie, The Passion? Awful. This is what he's going to, and he knows it. And what is he doing? Talking about humility. He's talking about service. Why? Because these are the two areas that people have a problem with. These are the two areas that if we truly are going to be the people of God, listen, saints, if we truly are going to be the people of God, then we're going to have to start humbling ourselves and serving one another as we serve Christ. This message of humility and service is woven throughout the New Testament. You can't miss it. You can't miss it because this is important to the heart of our Lord. Even before his death. You know, before our death, we setting things up. Make sure my 401k plan is going to pay whoever. I don't even know. I only have a 401k plan, do you? What, do they pay people when you die? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> you know, we're setting things up. Okay, make sure this okay, that okay. Don't misunderstand me. All that's okay. But, but Jesus is different. <laughs> He's thinking about you. He's thinking about me. As he's about to die. Humility and service. Interesting as he does that. And you know what? John later on in life, he got it. John got it because, because he understood. He understood. He understand here in our text, but he got it later because in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, John wrote this. He said, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. You see, John, at the end of his life, he got this message of humility and service. Uh, Y'all with me so far? Say amen. He did get it. But this whole Christian thing, listen, our Christian life is a bunch of paradoxes, period. The Christian life is a paradox. If you you seek to find them and uncover them and dig them out in the scriptures, they go on and on. Here, Here are just a few. We conquer, Christian, we conquer by yielding. We find rest under a yoke. We are made great by becoming little. We are exalted by being humble. We become wise by being fools for Christ. We are made free by becoming servants. 
We wax strong by being weak and we triumph by defeat and we find victory by glorying in our infirmities and we live by dying and we see the unseen and we reign by serving. That's just a few. This Christian life is a paradox. And Jesus says, you want to be great in the kingdom? You want to sit on my right and you want to sit on my left? Humble yourself. Want to sit on my right? Want to sit on my left? Serve other people. Want to be great? Get down. Get down, bro. Get down. (laughs) So, let me wrap this up in verse 29 and 34 through 34. Look at it with me in in, in verse 29. And look uh, look at verse 29. If you're there, say amen. Now, as they went out of Jericho... A great, uh, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, by the way. Kid story, Blind Bartimaeus, I like to call it. And, and this is just a, this is a great story. Look at this. They went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road. When they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. That's a messianic title taken from the book of Daniel. And then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet, but they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. And so Jesus, underlined this circle, it stood still. I love that. I love that. Jesus stood still. And he called them and he said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. And so Jesus had compassion. He touched their eyes and immediately, just like that, Their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Now, this is the last miracle recorded in the Gospels before the Passion Week. And you want to keep in mind now, as I pointed out, it's Passover time. The streets are packed with people. Get this in your mind's eye. The streets are packed with people. The people were listening to Jesus. They had heard of him. Jesus was famous. His fame had spread abroad. And so people were following him, and they're following him toward Jerusalem. This is a great multitude, the Bible tells us. And two blind men were sitting there. Mark chapter 10 tells us one of them is named Bartimaeus. Now think about it for a minute. These two blind guys, their day started just like any other day. This day for them started as usual. They probably got up in the morning, shook the dirt off their shabby old garments. They headed out, began to tap, you know, with their cane, tap their way down the familiar streets. They go and they sit on the road in the hot sun, calling out the people, begging for bread, food for the blind, alms for the needy. They're screaming to people. They sit there. They're dirty. They're nasty animals walking by and The animals stink. We won't go there. This day started out as any other day. But this particular day was very different. Because they were sitting there hoping that someone would have a little pity, drop a few pennies in their cup, and then all of a sudden they hear this commotion in the distance. And it sounds like a crowd, and they're probably thinking, man, I hope we don't get trampled by the people. And then somebody screams out, Jesus, Jesus. And I'm sure they heard of him, and they couldn't believe it. They're thinking, man, Jesus is coming our way. And they start screaming, oh, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. 
And did you notice the people, they tell him to shut up, be quiet. Now, now, now remember, these same people are headed toward the religious festival. <laughs> the religious folks. They're headed toward, they're going to church. Okay, you understand, say amen. The religious people are going to church to worship God. And we got two blind folks and they're, oh, Lord, have mercy, crying out to God for help. And they're like, shut up, you stupid idiot. Jesus, I have time for you. Shut up. Isn't that kind of sort of how religious folks are? Oh, we're going to church. We don't have time for ministry. (laughs) Going to church. And so they cry out, Lord, son of David. Have mercy on us. You see, these blind people calling out to Jesus. Well, all of a sudden, everything got quiet. The procession stopped. Verse 32, I told you I love it. Jesus stood still. Think about that for a moment. For a moment in time, this blind beggar has the undivided attention of deity, God. And Jesus called for them. Mark tells us that Jesus sent some guy to go get him. And some guy goes over, hey, come here, Jesus wants to talk to you. And I bet you they got up quick, (laughs) quicker than ever. They tapping, trying to feel, get up. (laughs) You know, just (laughs) got to clean up, got to clean up, got to clean up. (laughs) All right. Okay, yeah, yeah, Jesus, yeah, Jesus. And Jesus said, what do you want? And they said, we want to see. And just like that, they were healed. Amen. (laughs) And you know what? No hocus pocus, no alakazam. No, you know, e plobazunum, you know, just, you know, boom. I mean, no big deal. You see why? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ opens the eyes of the spiritually blind. Amen, saints? That's what he does. And I can tell you something. You know, spiritual blindness is worse than physical blindness. It is very true, and it's sad because there are many people who are spiritually blind, and they don't even know it. And so Jesus had compassion, and he touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight. I mean, think about that. From total darkness to total vision, just like that. Think about it. The first thing that this man sees is the face of Jesus. They never saw the sun. They never saw the moon. They never saw the blue sky. They never saw the grass. They never saw the dirt. They never saw each other. They're standing there talking to each other every day. Never look. But the first, God heals them, and the first thing they see is the face of of Jesus, It was Dr. Clarence McCarthy, who is a well-known Presbyterian pastor, who wrote these words. And for you and me, too, that will be the greatest of all sights. When we awake from the dream men call life, when we put off the image of the earth and break the bonds of time and mortality, when the scales of time and sense have fallen from our eyes and the garment of corruption has been put off, and when this mortality has put on immortality, And this corruption is put on incorruption and we awaken in the everlasting morning. That will be the sight that will stir us and hold us. 
The face of Jesus will stir you and hold you when you take your last breath on earth. You know, Thursday night I was at Wake Hospital and, and, and there was a lady who was dying and they called me and I went there and we got around her and we prayed. And then I started reading the scriptures and I started reading Psalm 23 and I started reading Psalm 34 and then I got to John 14 and I was just reading and reading and all of a sudden she left. Left? Yeah, she just left. And she left so peaceful, I didn't even know she was gone. And I looked up at her son, and I said, is she gone? He says, yeah, he had tears coming down his face. He said, yeah, she's gone. And I can't help but think that the very first thing she saw, the thing that stirred her, and the thing that held her attention when she left was seeing the face of Jesus. And so the Bible tells us, turn your eyes, and the scripture teaches, it's actually a song. <laughs> I want y'all telling Chuck Smith, oh, Pastor Rodney teaching heresy. Because <laughs> y'all would tell him, I know you would. Your song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of the world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. The reality is we got to look at him now, and we have to keep our eyes on him, because when we take our last breath, when, not if, but when we take our last breath here on earth, guess what? You'll take your next breath in his presence, in his face. And what an awesome thing for blind Bartimaeus to receive his sight, and the first thing he sees is Jesus Christ. And then the Bible says, Mark chapter 10, parallel story, that he went on following Jesus. This cane in the dirty garments, I'm confident with a little sanctified imagination, I am confident that he laid that stuff down. He didn't take that old cane with him as he was following Jesus. And old dirty clothes, he's probably like, man, I need some new clothes now. I'm following Jesus. And he laid that stuff down, and perhaps someone walked by one day and picked up the cane and said, wait, whose is this? I saw that dirty coat and that dirty garment. Whose is that? And, and, and the cane and the garment serves as a memorial of the fact that this man was healed completely. And you lay down the whole life to follow Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but when I became a Christian, that's exactly what happened. You got to lay down the old stuff to follow Jesus. Let me tell you something. You don't need it anyway. You don't need it. He didn't need that cane anymore. And he didn't need them old rags anymore. Why? Because he's following Jesus. That's the important thing, is to lay down the old stuff, to take on this new life in Christ, a new life that is a, a life of vision, a life where you can see clearly now. But you've got to leave the old stuff behind. You've got to leave the old stuff. You know, I was sharing that very same thing with a brother yesterday, and I'm going to close with this story. And, uh, but, but there was a brother yesterday I was sharing. I went to Wake County Jail, and he's in, he's in jail for murder, accused of murder. And he called and asked if I would come and visit with him, or his brother did, actually. And, and, and I generally don't respond to calls like that. I mean, get quite a few letters and stuff like that. And I didn't feel like I wanted to go or should go. And then later on in the week, his attorney called and said, hey, he'd like for you to come and visit in the Wake County jail down here. 
And I still didn't respond. And then Saturday, I happened to be here, and the phone rang, and I happened to pick up the phone. And it was his father on the phone and said, hey, would you mind going to visit my son? He really wants to see you. And I prayed with Elvira and decided that I felt the Lord was telling me to go. And I went down there and sat and talked with him. And, and, and I began to share with him. I said, hey, why did you want me to come? How do you even know me? And he said when he was arrested several, about a month ago on this charge, he said they let him buy a little Walkman, and, and he turned on the Walkman, dialed in to 99.9, and I was on Salt and Light. And then he said, I began to listen, and every day I began to listen. He says, I never liked church, and I didn't like God. But I start listening and listening and listening. And then he said, and then something you said made me think I better become a Christian. And, and then he said, so I asked God to become a Christian. And I, and I said, let's pray and receive the Lord. And with tears was coming down. It was the most wonderful, wonderful thing ever. And some people say, well, yeah, well, Rodney, that's, you know, that jailhouse religion. So, look, I'm, I'm not the one to determine that, and neither are you. The reality is we should be obedient servants. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.